Hey everyone, this is Design Lota, the podcast where we talk about life as Indian designers. I'm Angie. And I'm Sushi. So in our last episode, we tackled the rather awkward topic of handling feedback as well as our fellow designers' feelings with a lot of care. This week, we are going metaphorically diving again to discover a world of ancient scripts with an expert diver and script trader. Ooh, script trader. That sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the game Crypt Trader except with scripts. Ah, so I had this real deep dive into Indian typography and its roots with my script trader friend, Vaishnavi Murthy. By the way, she is also a professional diver and a really cool type designer. Ooh, this reminds me of this generic movie plot where a person goes diving and discovers these ancient texts. <laughs> Am I close? Is that what actually happened? I'd say you're swimming on the surface of it, Sushi. <laughs> oh, so this whole thing is a lot deeper, huh? Yeah, why don't we get to the bottom of it? Hi Vaishnavi, thanks for coming on Design Lota. What are you up to these days? Hey Angie, it's so nice to talk to you. And thank you for inviting me on Design Lota. I think you guys are doing welcome. a fantastic job with your podcast. And... Um, what you're doing is so relevant to the industry right now. You know, it kind of brings people together, lets us know what each other is doing. And I mm-hmm. really enjoy listening to it. Wow, thanks for listening. <laughs> and um, you asked me what I'm doing right now, right? So I'm right yeah. now freelancing as a graphic designer. And I also okay. do typeface design. And I study Indian scripts. And my full-time job, however, is that I'm a scuba diver. I do design and diving together. Uh, I want to go a little bit into your diving a little later. But first, I want to ask you, how did you get interested in typefaces? Tell us about your journey. Typeface design, I think, to tell you the truth, has something to do with my past life. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Okay. Because when I was a kid, I've always wanted to solve the Indus Valley script, you know, the Indus script. Right. People say that it's solved, so I don't know. I hope it's not because I still think that one day I'm going to solve it. Okay. (laughs) So I figure that I need to know a lot about writing if I want to figure how to read this old script. Right, right. Okay, so all this was happening, but in the back of my mind, I got to know that my grandfather was writing in this script on palm leaves, you know, like the secret script in my village back in Bangalore. Okay. So one summer vacation, I asked him, you know, if you can teach me how to read and write in the script and stuff. And then he was, he said, yeah, I'll teach you. But, you know, after I went back the next year, unfortunately, he passed away. Okay, okay. So it was always something that, you know, I wanted to study, Mm -hmm. wanted to learn, but I couldn't. Okay, okay. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of investigation you want to do uh, with regard to the Indus Valley script. And what is the secret script? Like, that sounds like another mystery that your grandfather was, you know, working on. Yeah, the script was the Tulu script. Okay, okay. So, later, when I was studying design, I realized that I can make a font for the secret script, Hmm. you know. Okay. So, this is how I started working on type designer. You know, over time, my interest in the subject grew and I realized that 
I had to like take this up seriously. Mm. But I got to know that there are very few places in India which teach um, type design. Okay. You know, because using the scripts, what do you do as a graphic designer? You make fonts, you study the script. Right. So to learn typeface design, there was no proper place in India back mm-hmm. then. Right now, you've got um, IDC in Bombay. They're doing some really good, interesting work on type design. Okay, okay. But uh, I had to go to the UK to study type design, you know. That's, I don't know, that is, I found it like really ridiculous <laughs> that if I want to like learn Indian scripts, I need to go to the UK because most of the people who have designed right. Indian scripts and who have like been the pioneers are all in the UK and all the records are there. Wow. All the material is there. Okay. So you have Indian faculty in the UK learning about Indian type? No, they're not Indians. Most of the type uh, design work that has been done in the past in India has been uh, by people who are from other countries, mm. you know, okay. like um, the UK, Germany. Okay. Even now there are a lot of non-Indians who make Indian forms. Okay. You know, but slowly this is changing, you know, for the past couple of years, people have figured out, you know, there is so much to be done in this field and it's also like commercially viable. So there are more people who are interested in studying type design. Now we've got quite a few youngsters who are doing type design. Some really nice work. Right, right. I saw some work in Typo Day, I think it was last year, by the Ake Type Type Foundry. Those guys are doing some really nice work for people who are interested in type design. Also, yeah, you can approach them. They got a unit called Aksharaya also, where they like have these workshops where you can learn about ah. type calligraphy and stuff. Okay, okay. And they're very open, welcoming people. They're a good bunch. Okay, wow. So all this wasn't happening when you were looking for some. They were just starting out, mm. you know. Okay. So you went to where did you go in the UK to study? I uh, I went to the University of Reading. Okay. So basically, there are two schools, you know. There's one uh, University of Reading, okay. and then in uh, the Netherlands, there's another school which is called KABK. Okay. So these two people are the good type design schools right now. There's uh, Cooper Union also in the US. Okay. Okay. So there are a couple of places where you can go to study type design now. But you did do your undergraduation at uh, NID in graphic design, right? Okay. So even at that time, you were trying to focus a little more on typography and typeface design or it's something that built up over time? So what happened was that I was interested in seeing how um, communication design works. Like when I was studying, you were studying communication design, not so much graphic design, graphic Mm, design. Right. You're studying how video works, how, you know, text works, how talking to someone works, Mm -hmm. how do you communicate to someone. So when you're concentrating on communication, then you look at, you know, how do I communicate in my society or how do I communicate to a bunch of people? Right, right. And one of the fundamentals of communication for us is like our speech and what we write. Hmm. So as a graphic designer, what's more important is what we write. Yeah, the content of what you're writing. And, yeah. yeah, how we are presenting mm-hmm. it. So fonts is an important aspect of right, it. Right, right. And I, I got interested in fonts strangely because I was more interested in symbol design, mm. you know, like how symbols work, how symbols make sense to us as Indians. Right, you know? right. Because we usually look at symbols from a global perspective. Yeah. What is the symbol for okay? What is the symbol for not okay? 
and stuff but it changes from region yeah. to region so yeah. when you start looking at what's around you because for me because i was in india i was looking at what's there around right, me right right and slowly these symbols they became scripts and they became mm. interesting right uh, you've really tried to engage with your immediate environment and also this took you traveling right to a lot of places to look at manuscripts why didn't you tell us about that how did you end up doing that okay so manuscripts are mm-hmm. uh, basically handwritten documents right so anything that's handwritten i'd call it a manuscript you know be it on hmm. paper be it on palm something that's engraved i'd call it an epigraph okay i study mostly manuscripts so how these letter shapes are formed on these materials right right know? so there is no standardized form in these letters it's almost like the soul of the characters live inside those manuscripts mm. you know in every manuscript you see the person's handwriting changes right so when you're writing something you've got this idea of a character in your head when mm. you're writing yeah you know? yeah so the mental image kind of reflects in what you're what you're shaping on the material right but right. in type what happens is that you look at all these different ways of writing mm-hmm. and then you standardize it right and then you have have this intermediate sort of a letter shape which kind of makes everyone recognize that right letter. and it's still something uh, it has a part of you also in it right because of how you yeah, understood it yeah it has a it. part of you yeah. yeah so as a type designer you should understand what the soul of this letter mm-hmm. is it depends on what style you're writing it as well okay so let's say for example if i have the letter o right the letter q and the number 0 yeah. yeah all three are these very circular forms yeah. but there's something that's going to make the o stand very distinctly different from a zero right right and as a type designer it's up to me how much emphasis i want to give to this hmm you know? yeah and if i have to see okay so the o and the q q has a tail right. but the o and the zero they're so close by mm. is it necessary to distinguish it so you look at the language system you see that will the readers be able to make this right, right. then you look at the manuscripts and you see that what have they done in the manuscripts in the past okay how have people treated okay. this Okay. And as a type designer understanding all these things I can take a call as to yeah the o I'm going to make it more rounded mm. the zero I'm going to make it more oblong right. and some people they want to really stress this difference so they put a bar inside the right. zero where you use it in a bank or something where the difference is very stark mm. you don't want them to get confused between right, each other right. so when you look at manuscripts it gives you clues as to what you do with these characters mm. you know is it possible to make it more pretty is it possible to make it more uh, functional so you look at these things inside manuscripts okay do you also find that uh, the tools that they might have used in these manuscripts may have affected the letter form in some way the tools do affect the letter forms to some mm. extent like for example in devnagari you uh, use a broadnib pen or a reed right so thin and it's long so it makes thick and thin letters right right so in the joints you don't want the two thick parts to come together and make it into a blotch mm. you want it to look nice right. so you make the strokes in such a way that you know the letter looks very balanced so you also look at it like it has a center of gravity of mm. some sort but after a point i feel that the people who were writing it right their sensibilities they took over the materials they used mm-hmm. so if they felt that you know we want something 
slightly more rounded slightly more you know stylish yeah. they always chose the materials which uh, went along with that if you look at latin mm. you look at the older styles you see them you see the letter shapes they are very influenced by the broadneck pen you got the thick and the thin right. you got this very gothic looking mm-hmm. thing yeah and then later on you got this very elegant flowy copper plate style which used the flexible nib right so it's also the sensibilities that of the person who is writing that influences the letter shapes as well i think it's not just the material do you find any interesting content in these manuscripts like what kind are they like accounts or what were they trying to say in the manuscripts you've seen so far every manuscript is a surprise <laughs> because if you look at if i tell you that this is a ramayana manuscript right right example, we all think that there is one ramayana hmm. which is this story right. but it's not true hmm. every manuscript has a different story of the ramayana okay quite often what we find is that um, you have the local stories that are like woven into the bigger story so even from a historical perspective it's interesting to see that because sometimes they'll talk about you know how for example rama came to their village mm. he met these people and they did these rituals okay, okay. you know make it really relatable and local right <laughs> yeah you get all kinds of mm. things sometimes you got this crap the person who is writing it he'll start telling you that you know this person he got he's making me write this for his daughter's wedding dowry okay okay you got daily accounts obviously that's like a lot of information about what used to happen back then mm-hmm. and then you got people who write down their experiments scientific experiments or their ideas about philosophy their ideas about you know semantics semiotics language right and then you find a lot of um, manuscripts about medicine okay also the local medicinal practices but a lot about astronomy astrology you get everything like we have books today they used to write on manuscripts like then but it's very personalized so you find a lot of content that is not like censored okay okay and how do you uh, how do you get permission to look into manuscripts like how do you go about that if someone was interested i think it's um, important to know how to handle manuscripts okay because they're very delicate mm. so for me i was trained in palm leaf uh, restoration and conservation okay. at intac bangalore and intac orissa okay So Intec is Indian National Trust for Arts and Cultural Heritage. Okay. So there are these bodies which are set up in all Indian states and cultural centers mm-hmm. where people look at things that are culturally relevant. Be it art or be it performance, okay. architecture, design. Okay. they also do things to promote it you know promote the local cultural heritage okay like in pondicherry they have these cultural walks and stuff okay every city they do different things in other cities they might be like restoring buildings hmm. and stuff okay in bangalore they look at a lot of uh, paintings you see lots of ravi varma paintings right. hussein paintings where they are restoring the paintings okay. that are damaged okay they restore palm leaf manuscripts so they have a office in um, chitrakala parishad in bangalore okay. and you can just walk in to the office and talk to them and find out more about what's happening there. okay okay and if you're interested in manuscripts you can tell them that you'll volunteer to come and work there mm-hmm. they are collaborated with national manuscript mission it's a mission which is dedicated to 
conserving the manuscripts okay. and you know digitizing it and all of yeah. that as a part of national manuscript mission you can go there you can volunteer to help restore manuscripts wow. okay so there will be people there who will be like uh, sitting with you and teaching you how to do mm-hmm. it so even you get more sensitive towards how to handle them okay sounds really fascinating so you approach them uh, so you found out about them and you approach them yeah wow yeah so i sat with them and i helped them with uh, cleaning up a lot of manuscripts okay. so once they knew that you know i know how to work on the fundamentals they they themselves told me you know i should go and learn a little more about it because you got all these chemicals and all these techniques ah. Okay. So conservation as a field itself is super fascinating. Okay. And it's a massive field and for me I take a look at the smallest of things which is paper and palm leaf manuscripts and even for that it's like many years worth of study mm-hmm. if you want to be really good. Wow. At it. So the so basically you restore uh, the original manuscript that's one part of what you do like handling it and restoring it right and yeah. also to study it then you uh, keep a copy like a digital copy so that you can go over it right is that how it works um uh, if the person who has given me the manuscripts wants me to keep it i'll be more than happy to <laughs> okay but if you keep in your house <laughs> If this does not happen, okay, then yeah, it's always good to digitize manuscript. Okay, any manuscript, even if it's a manuscript that I own, I'd prefer to like go over the digital version rather than handling a delicate manuscript. Right, right, okay. Um, even in libraries, wherever possible, it's better to like access the digital copies rather than look at the original. Mm-hmm. because there oils in your hand is moisture but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't touch the manuscript at all the manuscripts themselves need to breathe so you need to give them a little bit of sunshine a little bit of warmth mm. from your hand so that the fungus doesn't grow right right you know but it's not good to like over handle them sounds very delicate <laughs> especially paper palm leaves are very hardy palm leaves they stay up to a thousand years without any issue okay paper manuscripts within 100 150 years um you know the paper starts getting acidic mm-hmm. and it starts becoming crumbly you must have seen these yellow yes yes papers, yes no? yeah that's because the paper starts absorbing moisture and they all these small little creatures that live in it which make the paper acidic okay. so as the acid in the paper increases the paper starts becoming yellow mm. and it starts becoming brittle okay. okay so that's why when you're doing art you buy archival paper right right did you try working on palm leaf like writing on palm leaf Yeah, I've tried. Right, people still write on palm leaf manuscripts in Orissa. Okay, I tried learning from them, and I tried learning from my granddad also. I used to see him write on palm leaf manuscripts. Okay, but it's extremely difficult. Extremely, extremely difficult. Hmm. It takes a lot of practice to you know to get it. Okay, right. what about the ink and stuff? What what would they use on palm leaf manuscripts? You usually inscribe on okay. the manuscript using the iron stylus. Okay. and then the inks can be you know lamp black mixed with an oil or something okay. or there are many different kinds of inks that you find okay. but they are mostly black okay. so you use near the surface of the manuscript with the mm-hmm. ink and then you take another cloth and you wipe it so anywhere it's inscribed the in ah. ink stays and the rest of the palm leaf gets okay. clean okay. palm leaves they almost have like a shiny coating mm. why do you think history has played such an important part in what you want to do with manuscripts and typeface design history the way i look at it is very alive you know even mm. today history is not something that's dead dying and decaying in some corner right, right. 
I feel that history is something you need to look at because you feel the presence of some of it even mm. today. So let's say when I speak in my language, I sometimes, you know, I sit and I try to imagine, you know, who might have been the first person to make this sound, right. you know, or to make up this word. Right. So for me, when I speak in Tulu, it would have been one of my ancestors. Mm. They'd be making the sound and they'll be giving meaning to that sound and they string all these meanings together. So they make the sound with their breath, you know. You see that, you know, when they were alive, they made the sound and they made the meaning. So I'm speaking the same sound. Right. And I'm trying to, like, I think the meaning would be somewhere sim- close to what they had yeah. imagined back right. then. So for me, when I look at history, that's kind of what I look at. So whatever I do, I do out of curiosity Hmm. to try and understand what this actually means. So yeah, that's interesting, like how we are carrying around a piece of history with us, right? When we're speaking or when we're writing. Uh, Did you also try to focus a little bit on uh, the products that they used or like when when you do your historical research, apart from manuscripts, when you try to understand the context? When you're doing restoration, find a huge number of interesting things. Because you look at the materials they use, you you try and glimpse into, you know, their lives. Right. If you look at the manuscripts of Assam, hmm. they are made out of uh, the barks of uh, the agaru tree. Okay, okay. You beat that bark, you boil it, you do all kinds of things and then you make this leaf Mm. on which you can write. And then for the inks, they did not inscribe on those. Mm. And those inks were made with all kinds of things. So they used to like collect dew, you know, they used to put up these huge pieces of cloth with the stone in the center and they used to collect like the purest water, which is the dew. And they used to mix like all kinds of things and one of the things they used to mix was the liquid that comes out of an earthworm. Okay. When you touch it, there's one liquid it squirts Okay, up. okay. And that liquid, it glows in the dark. Mm. So, they used to mix that liquid with the ink also. Okay, wow. There are people, when they used to learn how to write in Assam, so the people who used to teach them, the traditional calligraphy teachers, right. they used to teach uh, their students on banana leaves. Okay. So you get like glimpses into a lot of things like this mm. when you look at historical. Right, things. right. You see how they used to travel, what are the influences they've had, mm. what are the materials they used to use. Right. You know, day-to-day practical things. When you look at people as these, you know, everyday practical things. Right, people, right. <laughs> you know, they start seeming yeah. more real. Yeah, yeah. You feel like you've gone into that time and kind of living with them, right? (laughs) So you mentioned uh, your work with the Tulu script, right? Like at least your fascination with it, which was the secret script that your grandfather was working on. You presented this, I think, at Typo Day a couple of years ago. Yeah, I did. That was at the initial stages of my work. So what is this project and can you tell us more about that? Okay, so I started working on this. Uh, in my final year at my design school so I studied at the National Institute of Design so I studied between 2001 to 2006 back then the way we looked at design and stuff was very different you know it had to be um, you had to question the practice of design Mm. you know who am I as a designer Right, and uh, we were encouraged to make relevant contributions to the field. Mm. So, looking at all this as a final year project, I decided to do something that I that was close to me. So, I decided to make a font for the Tulu script. Okay. Tulu being my mother mm. tongue. So, this script actually is called the Tiglari script. 
that's the name of the script which i figured out after many years of research okay uh, whenever you know growing up as a tulu person for me i was told that tulu does not have yeah a that's what even i've heard like it doesn't have a script most people think there is no script okay. but um, in that region they used to use this tigalari script hmm. i had known this because i had seen my grandfather right 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 but yeah. then um my general knowledge of the language told me there is no script okay so to solve it was a sort of a confusion in my mm. mind you know so it was bothering me quite a bit okay. so i decided to look into this you know to see what this is actually about as a part of my project right. so when i started working on this i really was not prepared for the amount of complexities this project would bring okay. because for us we had never really looked into type design we had looked into typography as graphic designers mm-hmm. but we had never looked into type design type design from the fundamentals of what it means here you look at the fundamentals of what script is what every character mm. means do you need that character or do you not need that character like for example in tigalari script it was used mostly to write sanskrit okay okay so sanskrit as a language has a lot of extra characters like you got the r like the r right. r like the rishi right. the vocalic mm. r and then you got the vocalic ll double l which is the e mm. you know these two sounds are not really there in the language okay. but there's something called the bija mantras which is sometimes seen and then sanskrit manuscripts also have swara marks which are the tone marks which are associated with the right, base character right but then when you look at tulu language you got a lot of dravidian sounds mm. and i had to also find out if the script has these sounds represented in them because there was so little research done on this i had to look at the fundamentals of what these letter shapes are what sounds do they represent and everyone writes in a different way so what is the standardized form that i can present mm. and as a graphic designer i find find it very important to know these things and i find it, and i consider myself quite lucky to have you know gotten to work on a project right. like this so you're still working on it right yeah i'm still working on it it's been 12 wow. years <laughs> but i don't regret it i, I really enjoy working yeah, on it yeah um right now i'm making the unicode proposal next week i'll be submitting it i submitted a draft before okay. um so once it's up on the unicode anyone can make a font and publish it okay wow so yeah i wish more design students got to work on subjects like this you mm-hmm. know it would enrich their understanding of the field and it will let them contribute to the field in a very relevant way so as a student yeah like i'd like to tell the students to like find things where they can look at the fundamental factors that make the things that they're designing for right and question the fundamentals and start building on that because you can do that as a student um you also want to use some teaching methods and uh, to change the way languages are learned right to keep some of our indian languages alive how do you think we can go about doing that what i feel is that a for apple method of teaching a language mm. or teaching a script right. is not the only way you can look at it there are a couple of things that are happening with us 
around us i can talk about india because i'm here right and this is something that i understand intuitively mm. so there are a couple of things that are happening around us i feel okay one is that let's say there is a language that you're comfortable mm. with for me it is english right it's a language which i don't think twice about you know playing around with modifying it making it in a manner that i feel is my personal way of representing stuff. right it's important that you know how to do this in your mother tongue as well hmm. or in another local language as okay, well okay okay on the other hand you have the local languages right yeah where you have um, i grew up in bangalore hmm. so i'm very comfortable in kannada yeah. so if i have to write something in kannada publish it make it my own reformat mm-hmm. i'll have the kannada rakshana <laughs> vedike people at my doorstep saying that you know you don't have the rights to do right. things like this the people who are the protectors of the language which is english mm. don't have them in my immediate surroundings as right. much as i have the kannada right. people but you would have people correcting your grammar or something <laughs> if you would have people correcting your grammar but the way it happens is very right. different if it happens in my personal space it's fine right. but i if i publish mm. it it's not going to be an attack on me as a person mm. it can be something which is very like superficial but when it comes to a local language the attack will be on your person right so i'm more scared of expressing what i want to say mm. and this is something that i see happen quite a lot in okay. india and it is not a very conducive environment for the language to grow okay. under such yeah. circumstances it's know? kind of ironic also because it's like the pride for the language and the people who want to protect it are the ones maybe keeping it from evolving and yeah. you know people adopting it and making it their own experimenting right. with it letting it grow because languages have changed throughout history mm. and people have always owned it and made it their own and you know contributed to it right so it's interesting right like in one way you want to keep uh, the language in its pure form and in another uh, way you want to kind of let people adopt it and play around with it also so there is no such thing as a pure mm. form what i'm looking at is having the right representation of what it was okay but um, that is for historical documentation so historical documentation if i want to go back and read it like i told you about the ramayana right, story right. so there's so many different versions of ramayana story hmm. uh and i want to make my own version how can i go back and see what other people have written okay you know but when i'm reading it i don't want to read something that's not there so i want to find a way to represent it properly so that's what i look okay. at to preserve that particular uh story or manuscript so that someone else can learn from it right yeah so you also had some thoughts on design education in india and uh, how we need to take it closer to our roots or how uh, students need to be taught to engage with their immediate environment like you were saying earlier right like i was telling you earlier like i was very interested in scripts and symbols mm-hmm. so I got to this stage because one of my early student projects what I had done was I had um, worked with the fishermen in Gujarat okay. try and tell them not to kill the whale sharks okay so even now you got a huge whale shark migration that happens around October in Gujarat mm. okay and they come there to mate and these fishermen they used to kill a lot of these whale sharks for the for the meat and for the oil and all okay. that So I had to tell them you know these whale sharks are good for your waters mm. try not to harm them try not to kill them otherwise it's bad for okay, you Okay okay so you wanted to communicate 
that to them. Mm. Yeah. How do I do that? Because most of these fishermen, they don't use the formal language that we do. They don't know how to read and write. And they mostly communicate uh, verbally. And then I try to understand how they understood symbols, mm. you know. Because I thought as a graphic designer, as a student, first thing that came to my mind was put up these posters all <laughs> around saying, don't kill the right. So I went there, I stayed with the fishermen for a couple of months mm. and I tried to understand how they communicate. Right. You know? So I went there and I started showing them these symbols. I showed them a tick mark, I showed them a cross mark. So the tick mark, they said that, yeah, yeah this is a cane, you know, like a walking stick. Right. And then I showed them the wrong or the cross mark and they said, uh, these are two sticks tied together. Okay. And then I was like, how can I be so stupid, you know? How could I think that, you know, everyone sees these the- Exactly, yeah. And they looked at colors very differently. Mm -hmm. And no matter what I showed them, they looked at it so closely. Like even a normal person walking past it, they used to look at, pick up the smallest of the cues from the visuals that Mm -hmm. were there. Mm -hmm. So I understood that they look at things very differently from the way I do. Later what happened was I figured these printed things are not going to work. So it had to be addressed through performance. You know, that's another Mm. story. Why I'm saying this is that as a designer, you need to be authentic in what you're doing. Yeah. And you need to be authentic in your understanding of what is there in front of you. And having this understanding will make us share this planet better with other people who are there around you. And if design education promotes this, and designers who are problem solvers can address these things. Yeah. You know, obviously the world is going to be a better place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we so, hope yeah. for. <laughs> so, Isn't that what education is supposed yeah, to be? Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Like, uh, you know, going to design school should kind of make you uh, make you learn how to get out of the way, right? When you're solving something. Uh, but sometimes we kind of get in the way of what we want to solve like, with our own biases. And uh, like how you said, uh, what symbols mean to you, you just assume that obviously he's going to understand what I'm saying here. Right? That's true. Because you didn't become a part of their environment. Uh, you stayed where you were, like mentally, right? Exactly. Yeah. I completely agree. So your journey has been really exciting. So graphic design, typeface design, a little bit of, what do you call it? History investigator. (laughs) One day I'm going to find some treasure. Please, I want uh, a part of it. (laughs) I'll only tell you otherwise the government will take it. We'll discuss our plan and that secret map that you have. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) So now diving how did you get into diving i think it's because you know bangalore everyone behaves like there's a beach somewhere <laughs> i'm also from bangalore so i totally understand what you're saying you, you understand yeah. we all are so laid back and it's just there's a beach but it's in our heads you know <laughs> yeah. yeah i think that's what got me to the ocean and also you know my whole family they dive okay wow i've been diving for about 14 years now that's how i got into diving okay so it's kind of a natural thing for you to yeah as in I quite enjoy being in the water okay so we're always trying to connect design to everything I don't know if that's a good thing but uh, (laughs) any lessons from diving that made you a better designer design has made me into a better person okay wow (laughs) now that's something for a for a t-shirt or you know so diving is like meditation no like suddenly everything goes quiet Mm. and you have all these unbelievable shapes and colors and patterns in front of you wow you know, every time you think that you've seen all the creatures, you know, there are so many weird creatures in the water. Right. That the next day you see a photograph of something even weirder. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
so as a designer when i look at that and i'm like i still haven't seen the last of the weird wow. the other thing is that you know when you're teaching diving you get to meet a lot of people and then you talk to them and you understand them as human beings you know like yeah people. yeah it's very raw in that yeah. so it gives me a perspective on who i'm designing for yeah. and all the different places and age groups and you know yeah i think it's very important to know people as a designer yeah. the message for all the students out there <laughs> is to stay away from computers and mobile phones as much as possible wow um, and go diving once in a true. while <laughs> yeah of course yeah you know use your hands more like for us we learn typography by using photocopiers you know we used to photocopy everything and enlarge it reduce right. it join every letter together it was a lot of mm. fun so you know now i can design things in my mind i don't really need a computer right and i i use a sketchbook and for me i'm very old school that way it just makes things much quicker yeah from what you're thinking to just get it down on because... yeah and you get more ideas you get to come up with fresher ideas you know right and for designers i'd like to say that this year i think all designers should decide to do at least one project that is not in english in any other language but english it's going to be like challenging and interesting <laughs> yeah it's going to like question your sensibilities and your skills as a yeah, designer yeah yeah okay this has been so interesting thank you so much for talking to us uh where where can people find you <laughs> do they have to come all the way to an island <laughs> day after tomorrow i'm going to neel island okay wow if you send me an email i will always reply because i'll be checking my email at least uh, twice or thrice okay that's great so if anyone wants to get in touch with uh, vaishnavi talk to us and then we'll <laughs> give you her email I'm- and you know telephone yeah so i'll contact her <laughs> underwater and get her email and give it to you <laughs> okay thanks yeah. vaishnavi thank you so much anji so sushi how's it to be back on land <laughs> this was such a refreshing discussion even with the salt water and all i feel like i discovered this huge treasure chest of knowledge of stuff i've never even come across before yes there were so many fascinating and surprising things i discovered while talking to vaishnavi what are some things that struck you i think it was really cool how vaishnavi got into type design in the first place mm. how she discovered the secret of the tiglari script and her whole journey of putting pieces together to create a written identity for tulu I think it's an exciting challenge to be able to create a new and relevant form of something ancient. Um I like how she mentioned that nothing is really pure uh and language like any other aspect of our culture needs to be allowed to breathe and grow and evolve, right? Yeah, true. And while it's important for us as designers to contribute to this growth, I like how she pointed out that before we jump in and make something we hmm. first need to get an authentic understanding of the context and what already exists right sure even if that means not trying to get all the information from the internet uh, but maybe actually getting out there and understanding people seeing how someone else sees things differently while coming up with our design solutions it seems to be a recurring theme with us <laughs> understanding your context right hmm 
I guess this is also in line with what Vaishnavi said about questioning the fundamentals in order to contribute in a relevant way. And another back to basic thing she spoke about is the whole joy of designing things by hand. Mm. I think technology and software now allow you to do a whole bunch of things, but your hands and your brains can always do better. What do you think? Uh, well, I have met some people who say that they are so used to working with software tools by now that they can actually put their thoughts directly onto it when they design. Mm. Uh, although personally, I do feel like I need to first put things down on paper before the ideas escape my head. Yeah. Another recurring theme I can think of is how taking time off for adventure and hobbies, diving in Vaishnavi's case, cross-pollinates with our design thinking and mm. this really helps us come up with some unexpected solutions. Yeah, I think any activity where you're engaged with observing things beyond just seeing and identifying them, uh, being physically present with the objects or environment uh, yeah. that you're observing can be a really inspiring experience. I'm sure looking at a hundred high-definition pictures or videos of coral reefs can never be compared to actually diving and seeing the real thing. Yeah, not even in IMAX. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I just found it really amazing to look at type beyond just being fonts and beyond English, which is what we typically use as designers. I knew that going back to hand lettering and calligraphy as an art was catching on, as I've seen you do a bit of it yourself, Angie, mm. but I never thought too much about how it's still practiced in local scripts in India, whether it's the traditional palm script writing in Odisha or the half and half colored lettering that we see so often in Tamil Nadu. Yeah, it's high time we open our local eyes as designers beyond just the visual aspects of our art and culture, but also look into their roots, their context, their meaning, uh, having had our design education in English and being mostly influenced by the Western idea of design, uh, I think it is time we explored our local treasures a bit more. We should take on uh, Vaishnavi's challenge to do a project in a language other than English. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of a project we did at NID where uh, we made visual compositions from uh, letter forms of regional languages. So we'd, uh, we split into 12 teams and we did this for 12 languages and made an interesting calendar out of it. That's a project I'd love to check out and I'm sure the results of the collaboration were stunning. Uh, send us a picture. I'm also curious to see what I can do with Indian languages as someone who designs products. Hey listeners, have you challenged yourself to a project inspired by a local language or art form? Or are you reconstructing something from the past to make it a relevant design solution for today? Tweet to us at DesignLota and tell us all about it. As always, you can find the full transcript for this episode at designlota.com. We'll be back next week where we talk to a design entrepreneur who built her stationery business from the bottom up. I could use some gyan about running my own business as a designer. Yeah, stay tuned for that. Until then, bye. Bye.